we're so thankful for those who have sacrificed for us to be here. And it's my great privilege to present to you our guest speaker, my friend. I want to call him Commander, but it's Captain, right? Should I, I shouldn't call you Commander? No. No, okay. Say it. Shows you how much I know. Captain Robert Williams, would you come forth and bring God's word for us this morning? Well, good morning. How you guys doing today? All right. Are y'all excited? If you're not, you will be by the time that I'm finished. Now, Pastor Bender asked me uh, to keep this uh, PG, which stands for per God. And so uh, we need to update our medley uh, because now we have a sixth force uh, that's not in the song, but that's above my pay grade and I'm retired. And so somebody else will have to work that out. And so um, for those of you who have never heard me speak before, uh, one of the things that I learned long, long time ago is that you should look at your neighbor and say, God love you, and I love you. Look at your other neighbor and say, God loves you, and I love you. So we, we know that at least one of those are true. And the one that's just really true is the one that counts, and that's that God loves us. Because you may not know your neighbor, and maybe you don't even love your neighbor. But, but anyway, uh, it's really fun to be in the house of the Lord. You know, and where we can sit and uh, just have fun in God. And so uh, this morning, um, what I want to kind of challenge us with, uh, Pastor Bender said I had till two o'clock. So just relax, you know, we'll ease into it. And um, but what I want to talk to you about is God uses the extraordinary, extraordinarily. And I want you to think about that um, and, and hopefully I will share something with you that you didn't know before, uh, but that you can put in your toolbox uh, that helps you on your Christian walk. Next slide. All right. So there are now six branches in the United States uh, military service. So, uh, and we're going to talk about them one by one. So the first service that was formed was the Army in 1775. You know, they think they're the best because they were first. Um, and we let them think that because we love them. Uh, followed by the Navy in October thir uh, 1775. Question for you, what's the difference between a Continental Navy and a current Navy? Does anybody know? I told you I was going to educate you guys. So the Continental meant that it was only 13 colonies at that time. So that's why. And then there was a change. And we'll have the same thing when we get to uh, the Coast Guard. Followed by the Marines. Any Marines in the house? They call the Navy taxi drivers. I say, but if they are, uh, are not nice to us, we'll leave them where we drop them off. <laughs> so just to let them know how important we are. So then uh, after the Marines, then the Coast Guards, next slide, was next in uh, 1790. And uh, big fight or discussion with us in the Coast Guards. They have little small teeny tiny ships and we have big ships. Um, but we do work together for drug interdictions uh, for the um, 
uh, for the country. So uh, there are certain laws dependent on the waters that you're operating in. And so where the military cannot go out and arrest people like the police officers can, but the Coast Guard has that under their uh, authority because they are under the Department of Homeland Security, not under the Department of Defense, even though they consider them to be Department of Defense some days. Then the next one is the uh, Air Force, which was founded in uh, 1947. Any Air Force people in the house? I think they're really the smartest force, to be honest. Um, and I'll tell you why. So anytime they create or establish a new base, they always uh, put up the golf course, all the nice housing, the commissary, the exchanges, and then they go back to Congress and say, we don't have money to conduct our operation. And they're telling the truth and Congress gives them the money. So one day we're gonna learn that in the Navy. And then lastly, what we have is called the Space Force. Now there is a uh, kind of a series on Netflix that makes fun of this and uh, is not taken very seriously because Steve Carell plays the four-star general. But it is very important uh, in the cyber uh, battle that we're fighting today. Space is everywhere, you know, and it's very important. And I'm so glad that our country finally decided we need to start taking a look at what's going on. A lot of information has passed. You know, even as we're sitting down here, we have microwave beams going across. You have a cell phone, you know, it transmit. So this is very, very, very serious. Next slide. So here are the emblems of all of the six services. You can see Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and then the Space Force. So when they originally started talking about the, uh, the Space Force, people were like, well, do you really need it? And then, as you can see what's going on with the fights uh, around the world, uh, some we hear about, many we don't, which is good because we don't need to be in a panic. Um, our country, I would say, I would argue, um, is the best postured country in the world. And, and sometimes I think we allow too much to go in the news, though, uh, that people just don't need to hear about. Um, and so when I was in Iraq um, ooh, 19 years ago, uh, eight seconds after some bombing occurred in the green zone, it was on CNN, you know? So I was like, hey, why don't we just stop protecting those people that are reporting the news and people won't know what's going on. So eventually they got them out uh, because there are other things that people need to worry about than what we're doing in operations. Uh, we don't need them to be telling people, well, look, they're gonna come on that beach uh, three o'clock, so be ready, you know, I'm like, come on. And so there's a reason why there's what we have, operational security. One, so you don't worry, you should keep living your life, praying for the men and women that are in harm's way. Uh, if you've been listening to the news, um, two aircraft carriers, which consists of a number of ships, and an amphibious readiness group, which led by the Marines, which has another set of ships that go with them are over in the Middle East today. And we just need to pray uh, God's will be done, you know, and we need to stand by Israel because when I read Revelation, they survive. 
Now, yeah, all these people, I want to talk about, I want to talk against Israel. Well, you, uh, you go on that side because when I read Revelation, they win. And if God's on my side, that's the side I want to be on. You know, I don't care what anybody else says. Next slide. So what I want to talk to you about. So once a person joins the service, they have what's called a swearing in. And so what we do for those folks from the very beginning and then every time they call, it's called re-enlist. They say the same oath over and over again until they're finally finished. And it goes like this. I state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And that I will obey the orders of the president of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. And they say this oath every time they re-enlist. And it's a rededication to the contract that they've signed up. And that's, hey, I've written a check and it's blank. And with my life, I will serve my country. So I love when I see um, veterans of Korean War or Vietnam, uh, World War II. We have a couple left. My grandfather fought in World War II. And I would say, if you see those people, you know, say hi to them. Um, a lot of them have come away with things you and I will never experience. Uh, when they first came back in those earlier wars, uh, they didn't recognize post-traumatic stress syndrome. And so those people were dealing with a lot. Many of them kept it inside, don't talk about it, turned to drugs, alcohol, or homelessness because they didn't want to deal with reality. And to me, we owe them that gratitude of saying thanks for the sacrifice that you made. Next slide. So also uh, officers, um, which I am one, and Petty Officer Engel is an enlisted uh, reservist. And, we thank him for coming down and posting the colors for us. Um, and so he's humble and he won't tell you, but they just called him at seven o'clock last night for him to come up and do this today. So I am forever grateful uh, for him for doing that. And so the officers uh, have to take an oath as I state your name, having been appointed an officer in the whatever military branch of the United States, as indicated above in the grade of, and then we're going to talk about grade so, you, grade, so you'll know what that means. Do solemnly swear or firm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. So... So both of those are almost the same in both oaths. Then it says that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasions. So I met some officers that I wondered, you know, did they really have a uh, mental capacity to lead? Because um, some of them were very, very strange. Um, but we take that knowing that we're going to represent a group of people that's held to the highest standard. And, and the, we'll talk about um, where we are as far as recruitment later. That I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which I'm about to enter. So help me God. What I love by, about both of them, they both end with so help me God. Our country was founded so that we could worship God in spirit and, and truth. But when I look at where we are today, 
when we take God away, yeah, when we remove God, we have chaos. You know, people pretending to be things that they're not. Last time I checked, he made two types of people, and that was it. And when people are saying, I don't know who I am, I really worry about their mental capacity. But we're going to learn about some great stuff this morning, I promise. Next slide. So you can't see this, but I, um, I've left the brief with them. So if you want a copy, more than welcome to have it. And what this does is it lays out the one, two, three, four, five. So the Space Force is actually a branch of the Air Force. So they follow the same rank structure um, for the people that are in their service. And as you can see, um, so we got the Air Force at the top, followed by the Army, then the Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard. So if you call someone a captain and um, they call the base and they're trying to get a room, especially like on an Air Force base, and they're like, I'm Captain so-and-so, and they're like, oh, you know, you're just another junior officer. And you're like, no, I'm Captain in the Navy. Oh, ma'am, sir, I'm sorry, because we're equivalent to their colonels. But, you know, so we have different languages within the service. Um, and so when you work in a joint operation, it's good for you to know this so you know who uh, and what rank you are working with, uh, because sometimes it's very difficult if you don't study it. And it's not like um, there's a course where they take all the enlisted and allow them to learn each other ranks in the other services. Plus, it's kind of fun picking on each other, knowing that the Navy's the best. You know, the rest of them wish they could be like us, but sorry, maybe next year. Just kidding, just kidding. Next slide. So then we have what's called, so I'm sorry. So that goes from E1 to E9 as far as the enlisted. And then you have at the top of each branch, um, an officer that's a four-star, I'll show you that in a few minutes. Then you have uh, a person that's enlisted that's an E10, and each branch has one. And that's the highest enlisted person in that particular service. And he or she, and the Air Force just had their first uh, female uh, chief master sergeant that's in the Pentagon last year. Um, they are the direct... Um, connection with the highest ranking officer in that service. And so they too are responsible for the well-being of the entire uh, military branch for which they are associated with. And so it is a very awesome honor, especially that, the, um, that they did that for the Air Force. And then when we talked to the Navy, uh, we had our first uh, female promoted to four-star to become the chief of naval operation, which is pretty awesome. She's not the first, but she's the first one to hold that position. Um, so this is what uh, is called the chief warrant officers. So these particular people are like your technical experts. So they've come in from E1. If they were um, meritoriously promoted or had college degree, they can come in as much as an E4. And then they work their rant, their work uh, way up in the Army, uh, as an E-5, you can become a pilot and they can make you a chief warrant officer. Uh, but in the Navy and the Coast Guard, uh, you, always, you have to be an E-7 before you can become a chief warrant officer. 
The other uniqueness about the Navy is when you become an E-7, a chief petty officer, the, your uniform now looks like the uniform of an officer. So you wear what we call khaki color. And so and then they have chokers like this. They don't have the, the bars, but they have anchors, you know, and those are your, those are the guys that really get it done. So, I mean, officers, we kind of make decisions, but if we have a not so hot running senior enlisted, we're probably going to be in trouble. And I guess that's why they talk about mental because some people are just not mentally prepared. Uh, but there have been situations where you've had to train them as well if they weren't trained properly. And that teamwork is so critical. It's almost like a marriage uh, in order to be successful in what you're doing. Next slide. So these are the officers. Um, so you can see we go from 01 um, to 010. And then sometimes uh, when there's a war for the Army and for the Navy, we have fleet admirals or a fleet general. So during the war, uh, those guys, um, they have a lot more responsibility, but not a lot of pay, um, which that's why I think they say about mental. Because if you paid us for all that we did, um, we couldn't afford a military. You know, so you don't join to become rich. Uh, you join because you want to serve your country. And, uh, and I was blessed uh, to have served for 30 years and uh, work as a civilian today and still serve my country. And I can't think of any uh, better job uh, than to be there for our fellow Americans. And you're going to hear about that a little bit more later. Next slide. So let's talk about the origins of Veterans Day. You know, does anybody know when it started, Veterans Day? See, I told you I was going to teach y'all something today. So when World War I ended, uh, November 11th, uh, they wanted to recognize that. And it wasn't considered Veterans Day at that time. It was called Armistice Day. How many have watched the trolls? You don't have any, y'all don't have any little kids or grandkids. You watch the trolls? So you know what I'm talking about, right? When they go, we're going to have Armistice Day and we're going to eat um, one of the trolls, that, you know. And so when I thought about that, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But we didn't eat anybody. So, I mean, we just shot at them. And so President uh, Wilson uh, declared Armistice Day in 1919. And so then Congress adopted it. And you can see how long that it, you know, takes uh, for them to pass the laws and or come up with the law and then change. And then it becomes a legal holiday, 1938, some uh, 20 years afterwards, right? And then uh, 1945, World War II, veterans proposed to change the name to Veterans Day, you know, which I think is, you know, pretty cool uh, because it's those that served in uniform are who we were recognizing at that time. Continue to the next slide. Um, then uh, I looked and I said, why um, do people want to serve the military? Why, why do you want to serve? All right. So I went online, you know, because the Internet is anything you read on there, just absolutely 100 percent true if you believe it. But it is not. So I just went to this uh, page from Indeed and just wanted to list their top 10 reasons for why people join the military. One, to serve your country. 
to learn a new skill or trade, to find purpose or to travel, uh, to get physically fit, to pay for college, save money, have an adventure, to have medical benefits, or just job stability. You know, and I'm pretty sure there's a host of other reasons. But over the past couple of years, the military has been having problems recruiting. Because many Americans today, um, due to whatever reason, um, one of the biggest is just being physically fit. You know, people get on that computer. Now, if they had something for thumb exercises or fingers, you know, our kids would pass this with flying collars, colors, you know, looking at screens, uh, uh, in roadblocks, building different things, being creative. You know, our kids would uh, have no problem. But if you tell them to run half a mile, they're like, can I ride my bike or would you run it for me? You know, so we have really, uh, we relaxed some of the standards for the military, uh, which I, you know, really don't approve of. Uh, because if you're in the middle of war, the enemy's not going to give you a training timeout. You know, you ask, hey, can you just, we want to stop for brunch. You know, can you please stop shooting at us for a while? It just doesn't happen. You know, and it's a mental uh, ability that we need for those that are wearing the uniform to be able to sustain. And so God is so, so good. Next slide. So now what I want to talk to you, who knows what a combatant is? You can't read the slide. I know it's already up there. Who knows what a combatant is? Okay, not you prior service. I know you guys know. All right, tell them anyway. What is a combatant? So, and it's a person that's in uniform and has a weapon that wants to do harm to you. All right, the next one is a non-combatant. That's all of us that are not in, in war, right? And then you have these people called neutral. And these neutral people are like your chaplains and your medical people who have sworn not to take up arms so that they can serve those that are out there fighting uh, so that they can protect us. The only thing, though, is when we're in war, oftentimes the enemies don't care. Is if you're when you're in the fight, they're fighting. They don't care who it is. And then if you really study the world wars, what you will learn is we have an organization called Military Sealift Commands. And what they did is they transported a lot of goods and services to those that were fighting. And many more of them died with these civilians uh, providing the service members with the, uh, the goods and the, arm, uh, the arms, uh, the fuel, the food uh, during these conflicts. And uh, we don't have a day for them. And I don't understand why we haven't recognized those uh, folks as well as our family members back at home. You know, just thinking about you guys every now and then helps us get through a day. And we're going to talk about that a little later. Next slide. Now to the good stuff. So how many know that Israel's at war? How many know Israel has been at war? <laughs> been at war. Ever since God said, I'm going to give you Canaan, you're at war. So nothing's different. And what's really wonderful is the God that they serve hasn't changed. And the last time I checked, they win. 
So I want to be on Israel's side. So we're going to talk about right before they get ready to go over to the promised land. Who takes over for Moses? Joshua. And, uh, and Joshua was one of the spies that came back of two with good news. The land is flowing with milk and honey. Uh, the other 10, oh, those people are too big. Do you know God is bigger than any problem we can present to him? There is nothing too big for God. And so in this uh, particular uh, verse in, in Joshua 1, 10 and 11, he commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp. And uh, the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days, we're going to cross. So he's letting the people know that's with him. Now, remember, um, they had just spent 40 years in the wilderness because God got rid of all those who weren't promised to go into the promised land. And now these people are about to go over um, and he's telling them, prepare. How many of you get up in the morning? Don't raise your hand and don't brush your teeth and go straight to work. That would not be good to the first person that talked to you, right? I don't think they'd, they'd be too kind uh, about receiving you. And so Joshua is telling them it's time for us to prepare because God is about to bless us. But each and every one of us have to do our own part. You know, if, if pastor could die for you so that you could go to heaven, he would. But he doesn't have to. It's a personal decision that each and every one of us has to make. Next slide. So he sends out these two uh, men. And, and this is what uh, really interesting to me when I was preparing this. The son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Now, I want to tell you something uh, during this time. Uh, there was not many secrets that could be kept about the children of Israel. God was conquering in their name. And before people, uh, before they even arrived, they already knew that they were coming. Can you imagine God putting fear in our enemy before we even got there? How many times do you pray about a situation so that God could put fear in whatever you're facing? Cancer, fear, people strand, fear, problems on my job, fear. And I'll share a story with you real quick. So when I started this new job, I was only there um, a couple of days and my um, boss assistant accused me something falsely, you know, and we're on this phone line and she's screaming and yelling at me for something I didn't do, you know, and, and I'm sitting up there. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes God allows us to get chastised just because. So she comes up a couple of weeks later, wanting me to do something. I told her no. And then I said, and oh, by the way, I don't fight or, or can be concerned about people. God fights all my battles for me. And, about, and I told her, I said, and your assistant needs to be fired uh, because he's very toxic, you know. And, you know, of course, she didn't like that because uh, that was her buddy, buddy. And three weeks later, he was gone. She didn't tell me. But I think she became a little afraid of me. I'm like, not afraid of me, afraid of God. Because he's the one that fights our battle. So if you're going through something, trying to figure out how it's going to work out, I'm trust God. Don't, don't look at anything else. Don't look at your problems. Look at God. He will handle it for you way better than you or I. So now what was interesting, though, when these two men came, 
they went straight to the house of a harlot named Rahab. So my question is, we just learned about combatant and non-combatant. Is, is, do you think that Rahab is a combatant? There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I'm not going to grade you. So how many think that she's a combatant? Raise your hand. So that means everybody thinks she's a non-combatant. Okay. You're right. She is. She doesn't have any weapons, right? But why would they go straight to her house? Does anybody know? Say again. She received them and her house was right there. It was the wall. She can see everything. You know, and, and we don't want to admit it, but if you are into that field, if you don't position yourself, you won't make money. But what she thought what she was doing was maybe, you know, was really probably to survive. God turned it around. And so and that's what I want us to focus on. God can use the ordinary, extraordinarily. You know, many people have messed up in life. And they allow that to take them down a road which they will never recover because they fail to take their eyes and put it back on God. And so we're going to learn about her. And that's why I use her as the example. Next slide. So the king of Jericho has been informed. Remember what I said. When they hear about God, there's a fear. You don't need to fight any battles whatsoever. Give it all to him. Then it says, and it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come tonight who from the ch children of Israel to search out the country. So these people already knew what was about to happen. Who like riding roller coasters? In your younger years, anyway, most of us are way beyond that. But when you remember when you just come, you never know what's going to happen next. You're just so excited. And then you start screaming and hollering like a little girl as you're going down about, you know, 60 miles an hour. And, but it was so much fun. But the king knew that this was not going to be fun. He knew that they had a God on their side that was bigger, better, badder than any God that they had. Thank God for being God. Next slide. So she took and hid the men and she lied to the king. So question, is it all right to lie? Remember, we got young people in here. Is it all right to lie? Huh? Do we lie? So I taught a lesson. Um, we should not lie, but sometimes we do. You know, somebody come and they have the ugliest outfits you could ever imagine and just bought it and think they look like the best princess or prince in the world and they ask you how do you think my outlook uh, outfit looks and you're like beautiful knowing that you lied and then you repent later I hope you know because you don't want to you know and and their baby is really beautiful so if you were to ask you know how high is my baby I say she's beautiful but there are some babies that look like, oh, wrinkly. And how's this? I'm like, hmm, looks just like you. Yeah, so you got to have an answer, you know, because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But, but sometimes we do. So not only did she lie, she entered the war unexpectedly, right? What she had done would change the course for Jericho forever. 
but not the course that God had his children on. So then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but, they, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut. She said, I saw them leave. Lying. No, that she didn't see them leave. And then she put herself, though, and her entire family in harm's way. Do you know God will take the ordinary and use you extraordinarily if you allow him, allow him to do so? So we're going to let her buy with a pass on this lie because she's helping the children of Israel. But when your mother and father ask you guys if y'all did y'all chores and you didn't do them, you need to just say, Mom and Dad, I didn't do them. And, you know, don't, don't, don't lie. And, but, you know, you might say, well, God told me not to. I don't think they'll believe you. But you can try it. It didn't work for me. I just did my chores. Next slide. So then Rahab tells the spies what the pe people of Jericho heard. And what was amazing to me, they didn't have cell phones back then. But the word of God spread quickly so that people knew when he arrived on scene whatever he said was going to be done and what I love when we heard these things our hearts melted how many enjoyed spankings when you were growing up not me never and so I tried never to get caught because I'm not going to say I was good I just tried never to get caught because when I received my first one, I was like, I don't like these. They hurt. And, and, and so if you live in a black community growing up, you know, they used to give us like these branches that you go get from a tree. And if your branch wasn't big enough when you got your spanking and they had to go, it felt like they were going to get the whole trunk. You know? And so, um, you know, but it kept us in line. We need a discipline today that works. For children, when I look at to see all these things that these children are doing, and it starts with us parents and spending time. We're so busy trying to work two, three, four, five jobs, give them everything that they want instead of make them work for it. Make them appreciate it, you know, because fr uh, freedom isn't free. As I give my son his own room and he doesn't have to do any chores because his mom does it for him. Y'all don't tell her that I told y'all that. So next slide. He's our, our youngest. So, um, so in this particular uh, verse here, and I want you to think about who Rahab is. So it doesn't really say in the Bible why she's in prostitution. Um, so we can make some assumptions that uh, she may have been married before may have lost her husband and and now she has to make a means for herself because in those days the man provided for the woman and and then if the husband died then the family were supposed to pick up um, but it doesn't say so she's in this line of work for a reason but what I really love about her story she has a, a respect of God you know and, and when you think about who she is and still allow herself to be used by him. Because she could have easily said, nope, I'm turning him in. I know what the prophecy says. Uh, not on my watch. Here you are, take him. But then she asked, you know, will you show kindness 
not only to me, but to her father, her mother, her sisters, her brothers. So everyone that put on a uniform, whether we know any of you guys or not, we're fighting for our country's freedom. But, you know, as the pastor used the scripture this morning, greater love hath no man than to lay down one's life for a friend. Every time we would go out, depending on your assignment, somebody was trying to kill you. I can remember uh, in Iraq when they'd start to bomb us, they shut off all our cell phones. So the enemies couldn't get an accurate picture of where we are. And what they would do is they would drive downtown Baghdad and then they shoot at us from downtown so we couldn't shoot back, you know. And so being the Navy guy that I am, I was in charge of budget and dealing with the Army people that I have to deal with. Um, I said, hey, I need to get some additional funding. So what they do with some of the vehicles there, the Suburbans, they would put this steel kit in them so that if you got hit by a bullet, uh, like almost ultimately bulletproofing the vehicle. Um, and of course they argue with me because they're sitting in Atlanta, relaxing in the air condition, watching football. And uh, Navy, you don't know what you're talking about. And so Secretary of Defense came in to Baghdad that day, which I didn't know. And I guess he got firsthand uh, view of what was going on and how we were being attacked. So they called me later that evening and they were like, how much money you need? And I'm like, oh, take the Secretary of Defense to come in for you to listen to a Navy guy. But they gave me what I needed. So I tell you, when you pray for your troops or for the troops, and not only them, but there are civilians over there, contractors, their government employees, uh, people on ambassador staffs. There's a whole host of folks that we need to lift up in our prayer. Next slide. All right. So then uh, what happens? We go to chapter six. Um, but I want to take a step back just for a few seconds. Um, I tried to imagine if I were part of the army that was going to take down Jericho. And so, and God uses unconventional means to win a war. So now they're going to go to war against Jericho, this wall city, with some trumpets and told to be quiet. We're going to march around the city and I want you to be quiet. You know, I probably would, he'd, they'd have killed me because I just can't keep quiet. And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times, still be quiet, you know, but I'd be like, man, what is God doing? We need these priests. We don't have any weapons. They're going to blow the trumpets. And, you know. But that's how God is. If we could understand him, and what he's doing in our lives, then he wouldn't be God, you know? And he just trusts me and what I'm gonna do. So then what happens after they win the battle, they have to stray true to the promise that they made this woman. And that was that they were gonna save her and her family if she did what they told them to do. Next slide. So the two young men goes in and Joshua orders them to go and pull the lady out and her family. What's the unique thing about that is she was told to be prepared for when they came. Had she not marked her house 
with her family members, she would not have been saved. But because she listens, how many times God speaks to you that you just ignore what he says? You know, God still speaks to us today. And, but we'll ignore it because we'll want to do it our way. And I know I do. You might not, but I would. Next slide. So in this one here, the family is spared. And then what I really, really love, go to the next slide. Now, this woman who started off as a prostitute finds herself in the lineage of Christ. A woman that was a nobody by the standards of many people, God has just made her extraordinary. So when you think, well, Robert, you know, there's not a lot of stuff I can do. I would argue with God, you can do much. But you have to believe and you have to be willing to allow him to use you. So she was a great, great, great grandmother of King David. But she started off and she, if she would have just stayed ordinary, who knows what would have happened. Next slide. Today, how many of you know we're in a spiritual war? You listen and, and, and Satan is called, uh, he's the God of the air. Look at the television shows today that you see. Even cartoons are inundated with stuff that kids shouldn't be seeing. They shouldn't be showing that to even adults, but it's there. And uh, Second Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and long-suffering, and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know, people want to hear everything that they want to hear so they can live the way that they want to live. I don't want to listen to God because it'll make my life a little hard if I try to be holy. And I'm like, but if you don't live eternally minded, well, I want to go to this church because they do exactly what I want. I want to live my life this way and this church will allow me to do so if I go. But are they teaching the word of God? Nope. So their ears would turn them away from the truth. God's word has not changed at all. Next slide. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. So what I want you to know is if you have not accepted Christ, please consider doing so and doing so quickly. How many of you have been paying attention that there have been several volcanoes that are starting to activate around the world. They're going to rebuild the temple over in Jerusalem. So five of the cows that they needed have already been shipped, which is part of prophecy. And so they're looking at all this. So when the Antichrist comes to power, all these things have already started. Now, am I saying the end of the world is tomorrow? I have no idea. Only God knows. But I know we should live each and every day as if the end was coming tomorrow. Is our life straight with God? Does that mean we're not going to have trials or tribulations or problems or issues? No. But what it does allow us to do is to focus on how we decide to live our lives. And we may need to get rid of some of our friends. 
some of our associates. Because if they don't want to lift up God or try to consider me to go and do things I shouldn't do, maybe I don't need them in my life. But I want to try to convince them because I don't want them to go either. Next slide. Be watchful. Be watchful. We live in times today, I don't know if you've ever just stopped and, and just looked up and say how many inappropriate people are living in our neighborhood because of Megan's law. You would be amazed in the neighborhoods in Pennsylvania, the protection of our children. And you have so many sick people that are out there that need help. And our job is to pray for them. It's to be a witness to them. It's to be an example of who God is. It says, but the end times of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in our, in our prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. The one great thing I love about the military it doesn't matter what your ethnic group is. When you're put together, you're put together with people from all walks of life, all beliefs, and we're coming together on one accord. To me, those that really make the, the hugest difference is that Christian that stays true to the faith because he or she will be tested. They're going to want you to go and do things you don't want to do, shouldn't do. But when you can stand there and be the testimony, I was sharing with Peter Officer Engel when we were outside. We didn't have a chaplain on my second ship, and I served as, as a lay leader. And so every night at 9.55, I would pray about what we were doing the next day. And so our uh, captain, the guy in charge, wasn't a Christian. And he would um, make sure that if I wasn't up there at 9.55, they were passing the word and when you're on the ship you know unless you go swim in the ocean uh, you're going to hear when they called your name and I would go and I would pray and one day this one guy that was driving the ship wasn't listening about to my prayer and he's like hey you didn't pray for this and then you hear this voice and if you're ever on the ship at night it is total pitch black dark on the uh, on the bridge of the ship is where we draw, drive it from and you just have this red light and all the instruments so you can tell where you're going and then the captain screams, he did pray for that, you idiot. You weren't listening. You know, so he would listen to my prayers at nighttime. And you never know what type of impact you may have on someone. Keep doing what you're doing and God will use you. Next slide. Walk in the spirit. How many of you know that there is a battle between your, your flesh, my flesh, and the spirit of God and the spirit that he put in us. Our flesh wants to do what our flesh wants to do. Our spirit wants to do what our spirit wants to do. And that's because the spirit is connected to God. And that's what we should allow to win. That's he or she who we should allow to win each and every day. So when you go back and you look at creation, the one difference between all the things God created and humans is that he breathed the breath of life into us. Praise God. Next slide. 
So God created man in his own image. He created them male and female. Now, a lot of people can declare a whole bunch of things. And when I listen to them, I'm like, can you change your body parts by blinking your eye and something's different than what you were born with? But people have gotten to the point they only want to hear what they want to hear. And if it suits me and it satisfies me, then I can be anything other than what God created me to be. What a shame. Next slide. As we talked about, he formed us from the dust and then he breathed air into us. Next slide. But there's still a struggle. So as Saul became Paul, God changed him. How many of us do things we wish we wouldn't do? All the time. I shouldn't have answered that way. I shouldn't have treated that person in the way that I did. I should have shown more love. You know, what would Jesus do is much more than just the same. It's something that we should practice each and every day. Next slide. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Flesh, spirit, war, fight all the time. But the one that we feed the most will be the victor in our lives. So are we reading enough? Are we praying enough? Are we meditating enough? Next slide. Now here, I th have you ever just sat and thought about why the children, when Moses was on the mountain, decided to do all the sin that they did while he was gone? How do you feel when you're away from someone and you haven't heard from them for 40 days and 40 nights? And he's up there and the mountain's on fire and he's talking to God. And so I'm going to give over to my flesh and do anything that I want to do. Not because I want to believe in God, but because I'm not listening. So we're right now at a war. Next slide. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you will hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. We need God more than the air that we breathe. We need God for every microsecond of every day. And if we don't call upon him every morning, just think we'll be less left to the will, our own wills, and that will be unpleasing to God. Next slide. And then he is only my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. So no matter what comes against me, I know that God will give me the victory to overcome the world. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. Why? Because he's our refuge and he wants to hear from us. Next slide. Can I endure trials or tribulation? Anybody going through anything today? Know of somebody that's going through anything today? Have just come out of going through something? we can always go to him and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is only for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. So sometimes God allows us to endure, not necessarily for us, 
But do you know that we will lay wait for others that come behind us? Next slide. God's mercy. Though through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And this is what I really love. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So I don't have to borrow from yesterday's or today's uh, faithfulness because God has faithfulness for me for tomorrow and the next day and the next day as long as he allows me to live. Next slide. Now I want to talk about the armor of God. Every day we wake up, we should ask God to give us strength to make sure that our armor is in check because as soon as we wake up, there are forces that we're fighting right now. That's even in this room. Our minds are thinking, is this guy going to hurry up and shut up so I can leave? I want to go to lunch. Oh, there's a football game that I want to see. I need to wash my hair. What am I going to wear tomorrow from work? You know, there is a battle of the mind. Can you go to the next slide? So I had a couple of things that were underlined. And the thing that I really wanted us to focus on was the mind, right? Because see, when you get to the mind, which is the helmet of salvation, that's to let us know that no matter what we go through, God has given us salvation to endure any trial or temptation that's going to come against us. Then also what I wanted was the only offensive weapon that he gives us, and that's the word of God. So if we're going to answer or we're going to respond to someone that is not treating us uh, fairly, and I was thinking about this, you know, when we're driving in traffic and people cut us off and we go to show them the bird, not the eagles, you know, the other one. And then we have this bumper sticker on our car that says, you know, I love God. What kind of message are they getting? You know, and we need to think about that. You know, God has put us here because we're the only Bible many people will ever read. You ever thought about that? They will never open that book whatsoever. And when they see me, I need to be a reflection of who he is. Next slide. All right. So what I did, believe it or not, I wrote a poem called uh, My Fellow Americans. And I have to look that way because it's in the form so that I can uh, share it with you. It says, today we set aside time to remember the few. Many served our country as it continuously grew. Men and women from various countries and nations donned the American uniforms and served at many stations. Some left family, friends, a husband or a wife, never looked knowing if one would lose his or her life. America the Great is a country that came to be a land of opportunity for the slave and the free. Some are trying to navigate life and find their own way, searching for the perfect opportunity each and every day. Tomorrow is not promised, so we should always prepare to assist and comfort those who are shackled by despair. When you're out and about and you see a veteran walk by, Take a little time to stop him or her and just say hi. Some call us heroes as if we have an S on our chest. We want you to know that we gave our very best. Many would gladly do it all over again 
It is an awesome feeling that we treasure deep within, an honor, a privilege, and a sense of pride. We appreciate those who followed and those who guide. We have no expectations from the citizens for the jobs we've done. Our lives are so fulfilled and we enjoyed the good, the bad, and the fun. We are truly grateful for the people who really understands that all our sacrifices were to protect you and the homeland. Always remember that you live in a country of the free. Without the contributions of the many, this wouldn't be. On behalf of all the men and women who served our country well, your thoughts, prayers, and love gave us a story to tell. Many unexpected and long deployments we spent away brought a new meaning to the phrase, just enjoy the day. Many look at us look back and left behind lost long friends who we love like family and hope to see them once again. So fellow Americans, we want you all to know the experience we had has helped us to grow. For many of us know our strength comes from above and in this reliance, we can all render his wonderful love to one another. Poem that I wanted to share with you guys. So in closing, if you go to the next slide, what I would like to do, if everyone would stand, I'm going to give you a practice of a, uh, a pledge that we would make, whether you want to believe it or not or take it or not, if you just say it so the person that really um, may need to accept Christ or rededicate him or herself to Christ uh, will do so. And um, as I said earlier, every time we were promoted, Every time an enlisted person um, re-enlisted, they would give an oath, and we're going to do so today. So if you raise your hand, I state your name. Do solemnly swear that I will read, study, and meditate on God's word and hide it in my heart to help me not sin against thee. I present my body, sold in mind, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I will support and defend his word against all enemies, physical and spiritual, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey his commandments as recorded in the Bible with the assistance of the Holy Spirit so help me God. So you're now sworn in to the army of God. Thank you for your time. And I hope that this uh, benefited you. Don't go too far. <laughs> How many appreciate yes. our speaker this morning? <laughs> I want to close. I want to pray if... Captain would come up, and Colin, would you come on up? We're going to pray as representatives of those in the service. We want to pray God's blessing upon them. In fact, why don't we go on the floor, and I'm going to have the folks come up and surround you. Sure. Babe, why don't you come on up? And, and then all of you, as many as you want, those of you who are veterans, come on up and surround these guys and pray. 
Colin's active. He's on reserves, but he's active. He can be called up. So we're going to pray protection upon them and God's favor upon them as well. Oh, yeah, and Brock's deployed as well, so keep praying for him. Hallelujah. Father, we are thankful this morning. We recognize the blessings you've poured upon our lives in this country, and we realize that we live in the shadow of those who have given before us, many of which we don't even know, we've never met, who have died to protect us, and we thank you for their lives and their sacrifice. And, and we appreciate what they have done for us. And Father, for those that are actively serving now in harm's way, I pray your protection upon them in the name of Jesus. Surround them with your angels, Lord. Guard their hearts and their minds while they're on the field. Allow them to succeed in their missions. I pray that you protect their families at home who are worrying and, and just fearing what may happen to their loved ones. God, I just pray your protection upon them at home. Take the fear away. Replace it with your love for them. Allow the Holy Spirit just to minister truth to those that are home. And Lord, we thank you for those who are serving now. And I pray your protection upon them. Continue, Lord, to guide their hearts and their minds and their lives. And allow us to realize that all that we have is really because of what you have given us. And you've given us people who have served in our stead to protect us from what may come against us. As we learn, we are in a spiritual battle. And we have those who are protecting us in the physical, and we have the Holy Spirit who's protecting us in the spiritual. And we pray that you would continue to protect our, guard our hearts and our minds. As we took the oath this morning, allow us to continue to serve you and love you, regardless of what comes our way, knowing that, God, you love us and care for us more than we can understand. So, Father, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their dedication. And we thank you for those who have come up this morning to give up their time to bless us and to minister to us. Now, Lord, we pray your blessings upon them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you show the Lord your appreciation this morning? Thank you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.